It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. All right, here we go. Episode one of Full Court Press. This is a new podcast uh, with the man and the fan. Uh, my name is Andrew Williams. I'm obviously the fan here, but in my mind, I'm really the man. And I've got joining me um, a former first round NBA draft pick who will, who will be with me hosting this podcast that you guys all know and love. His name is Daniel Orton. Daniel, what's up? Not much. How are you today? I'm I'm doing good, and I'm excited to get this going. If you're new to this podcast, this podcast is new. It's episode one. What we're going to do is is we want to bring real conversation to you, the listener. Uh, we want to talk to you about the NBA. We want to talk to you about different sports, different things that are going on in our lives in, in a fun and interesting and meaningful way. And we also want to, to give you some behind-the-scenes of, of how all these processes work. We want to tell you a little bit about Daniel's story, um, you know, where he's been and, and and where he's going next. I know a lot of there's a lot of fans out there around the world that that love and appreciate him and want to hear the backstory of those things. So we appreciate you for joining us. And as always, you guys know this like and subscribe on Apple podcast on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, give us a five star rating. And I'm sure if you do that, good things, good things will happen to you. Ain't that right, Daniel? <laughs> Yes, most definitely. <laughs> like, like it, it's automatic that if you like and subscribe and give us a five star rating, like the Lord is going to bless you in some way. So good karma. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Good karma. So we're excited to jump right in. And, and the first thing I want to talk to you about, because I know that there's going to be a variety of people listening to this. You may not know me. I'm going to introduce myself really quickly. Uh, I'm Andrew Williams. I do some freelance sports writing and podcasting and have for, for uh, you know, about a year or so. Um, I've been gifted many good opportunities. I'm a father of a, a young daughter, and I have a lovely wife. Um, and I'm also a teacher in my spare time. And, of course, you know Daniel Orton um, and, and his story. Me and Daniel met last year at the basketball tournament. Daniel was playing uh, for DeMarcus Cousins' team. And, Daniel, that was one of the, the, you know, that was a big time for you because it was in Lexington and you got to come back to Lexington. Was it cool for you to, to be kind of around the fans and, and, and everybody during that time? Yeah, it was. It was, it was just amazing to be back in, in Lexington and kind of seeing everything. It was really my first time back, and I don't know how long, like, pretty much since I left, I want to say. So just to be back and to go to the campus and see everything and how much everything has changed and just everything was just brand new, it seemed. But it was really cool being back around and feeling the love, going back out in public and, and still, you know, having fans recognize you and telling you, you know, about stories being here and how much they appreciated everything. It was just really awesome. And it was it was cool for me because I was covering the basketball tournament and I, I met Daniel um, after a game. And I this is this is one of the first things I wanted to get across in this podcast from moment one. Daniel Orton was awesome to me. You, you were awesome to me, man. Like you, you were you were cool to talk to. You didn't know me. You were, you were really nice to me. And I appreciated that. And I think that's going to come across as people listen to you talk as well. Is that yeah. you're is that you're genuine and 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 that you are, you know, an honest and nice person. And I, I think, you know, just just for the fans to be able to hear you talk and to understand your true personality is something that I think is going to be really awesome for them. 
True. And that's, I feel like that's one reason why, why I wanted to do this. When you approached me with the idea, I, I feel like, you know, it, it gives just like listening to different podcasts, it gives, gives people that perspective of, you know, as LeBron's kind of company is more than an athlete, people kind of understand more, more so the person and they get a feel for that because you Kentucky fans and fans all over the world, you know, really want to have that personal relationship with people, with players that they've come to know and love as players and just want to have that personal relationship with them and have more of an understanding of who they are. So I felt like this is a great outlet to do that. And that, that was what was really cool for me, you know, was that you embraced me and, and, you know, we, we've become, we've become friends here over time. And I just, I just think a lot of times that people, you know, they, they see you guys as athletes and don't really get the chance to know you as people, you know, just just as you said already. And and platforms like these allow fans to do that. So um, I, just what I wanted to tell everybody right off the top before we even dive into this conversation is when you're when you're hearing Daniel Orton talk about his journey, this is a legitimate dude. This is a, a really nice and 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 really thoughtful person. And and I'm really I'm really excited to be working with you. And I, I hope I hope you're excited too. No, I'm definitely excited. This is something that I've been looking forward to and to doing in a long, long time. You know, I've always said I want to keep a journal or something. So I figured this is a way I can kind of do that and express where I've been and the the things that I've been through and the things that I've learned, not just in basketball, but just more so traveling around the world and getting different perspectives in life. So where we're going to start is I figured as we talked about, you know, what we were going to talk about and, and things, we figured off we were going to start the first several episodes just talking about Daniel's journey and, and uh, his basketball journey. And, and hopefully that'll give you guys some insight what it's like to, to be, you know, and a pro athlete, somebody that's, uh, you know, that that's really thought really highly of and, and everybody wants a piece of and everybody wants to be around. And so we're starting off this episode talking about really, Daniel, your high school days and your recruitment. Now, I want to start off by telling everybody, you know, me, me and mine and Daniel's stories as far as recruitment goes are really similar. He was a 6'10", you know, top 10 in the country, five-star basketball player that everybody wanted, you know, straight out of college. I was a six-foot academic team member, you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that nobody, that there wasn't any colleges wanting. So, I mean, I feel like our stories really match up well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just – it was a, an experience for sure. But I got to kind of – I got to kind of experience it firsthand with my brother, Terrence Crawford, who played at uh, University of Oklahoma State – or Oklahoma State University, sorry. Um, just kind of experiencing everything with him and having coaches come in, him going through the whole recruiting process gave me a little bit of an idea of what to expect. But still, it was on a whole other level – once you really get into everything and, and it's yourself experiencing it, because I just kind of was outside looking in. It wasn't really a part of it more so than just, you know, seeing random men come over and come talk to my brother, come talk to my parents and my mom. She, The way her hospitable, you know, mentality, she always fixed great meals that night. So I was kind of excited whenever the coaches <laughs> would come over too. And that, that was a huge part of it. But getting more into it and getting a greater understanding of everything that was going on was just, it was a lot of fun. So, so what age were you when your brother started getting recruited? You know, what, what, about what time was it for you when you started to, to kind of see and understand what that process was like? Um, I want to say I was like eight or nine. Oh, wow. So it's, 
as far as understanding, there wasn't much of that going on, but I, I did see it all happening. Okay, so you've got you've got coaches coming in, and the, you know they're they're trying to get your brother to come play there. And like you said, you don't really understand, but you do you do see some of those things. And then you start your own basketball journey. And and obviously, the first question off the top that I'll have for you is when when in your life, in your young age, did you really begin to believe that basketball was going to be something that could really take you somewhere? Um, it kind of started off with, you know, through the recruiting process, you start getting questionnaires from different schools and they ask you, you know, name, address, height, weight, interest, favorite color, just a bunch of random stuff. And then uh, you kind of start getting letters from school. You get more letters and more interest from schools. And you just like at first it was uh, a couple of schools, but then it just started getting like piles and piles of letters every single day and they would come to the school they come to my coach they come to my house like those there was um some boxes like basically crates from the postal service and I didn't even know they had these until I was in high school but I got three on my doorstep one day and it was like 300 or 400 letters from the University of Baylor wow and so it was like okay yeah this is definitely real now <laughs> and it got to the point to where my coach would give me letters at school and I just throw them in my locker not thinking about it my friends were like like what do they say like what's inside them? I'm like if y'all want to look at it y'all can go open them I really don't care anymore <laughs> and it's like I'm not bragging it's just like it it came so often that it's just you know I, you get numb to it so much and then it's like you know my friends started having fun with it and bragging like acting like they were getting the letters so I'm like you know well, it's cool y'all can have fun with this we can do it together so in a sense, like, it's, we were all going through the recruiting process together because I felt like at the time, and even still, I still talk to my friends from high school. They were my brothers, so we were going through this together. You know, we had coaches coming up to the school, and they make sure that you see them. You know, there's that period where you can't talk to them, so they just kind of uh, show their face. They'll be talking to my coach at lunch or whatever. I can see them, and people around the school are talking. But, I mean, it, they start coming to practice. So you get, like, a greater understanding of the whole process and it's just really cool to kind of experience that um, just everything coming together and you realize, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be, you know, kind of epic. This is going to be big. Were, were the coaches, like, when they couldn't talk to you and they were coming in talking to your coaches, were they, like, like looking at you across the room and, like, giving you the head nod, like, hey, I'm here? Of course. <laughs> of course. I remember one day it was uh, Rick Barnes at the University of Texas and um, Jeff Cape was at the University of Oklahoma. And, you know, that's a rivalry. And yeah. So, my coach was a huge Texas fan, so he was just kind of – he was kind of smiling and just – he it was like a, a little kid on Christmas morning just having those two coaches sitting there in the lunchroom and everybody just watching them with them. So, I, I, you know, he got a kick out of it too. But it was like – I don't know. The whole recruiting process is interesting. You know, you, it's the huge decision that you have to make, one of the biggest decisions of your life. And honestly, I want to say for most of us, it's probably our first huge decision that we ever have to make in choosing a school that will – determine our future basically and and I I, I do want to dive into that a little bit because you know I'm, that that's not a decision that many of of us you know have to face and decisions like that at a young age are, are really difficult but were you getting were you getting like letters and and interests like at the beginning of like your freshman year or was it before that after that like when did that when did that that start happening there were some schools 
um, they were there early on, but interest grew more after I want to say we we won state my freshman year, and I averaged like eight or nine blocks a game, and so that seat that whole season, and so that's when interest like really grew. Um, going into my sophomore year, it was it wasn't too crazy, but it was. I mean, it was just kind of like a shock to me, you know. I just didn't. I I wanted this, you know, but I just didn't really like expected I didn't know what to expect really so just kind of I got like a, a of an idea from my brother and my dad but I mean they they couldn't really explain it to me on that level either and it was like more so eye-opening too when you have to have these conversations daily with I want to say like nine or ten different coaches and colleges that you're interested with that you're interested in and they have interest in you and you know it you have those real life conversation with coaches and it, and it hits you when you have to kind of explain to them like hey no I'm not interested any longer in your school like I just kind of wanted to tell you and be be upfront with you so you don't waste your time recruiting me anymore and you know some coaches like take it really personal and I understand they take time on kids and they want you know you to go to their school but at a certain point it was like like a whole lot because you just like at one point I don't want to even say I'm not going to mention names I have one coach even cuss me out like I I spent all this time recruiting you telling you want to come here like you know you lost you're saying this that or the other now I'm like I mean I just don't want to go to school there like I don't know why you're so mad like and and it's it's something that I had to kind of learn to grow and deal with because at first I was having this conversation I had to ask I had to ask my parents I'm like so what do like I just what I, I how do I tell them I don't want to go to their school? It's like, well, you just got to be up, up front with them and kind of real with them. And so I was like, okay, I'll, let me do that. And then you kind of have that happen to you. And as a 17-year-old, you're just in shock more so. Like, dang, you know, I've never had to deal with anything like that. But now that I have, we'll move forward, <laughs> learn and grow from it. That's that's crazy to me, and I and, and I'll tell you, talk kind of the person that I am because if I, I mean, I listen, I'm, you know, I'm. I'm older, I'm, I'm 30 years old now, but like, if I let somebody down right now, it affects me, you know, because I, I feel like that I, I want to do right by people and help them. And, and it's been a balance in my life trying to figure out, all right, you got to do what's best for you. And you can't always worry about, you know, what, what everybody else thinks, but that has to be difficult for you as a teenager, you know, feeling like that, they, and these, these, these older coaches putting pressure on you and making you feel like that you've let them down. Is that tough? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, did you hear my question? No, I didn't hear I, the end of it. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying, like, it, it was. it's difficult for me now to feel like I've let people down in my own life, and I've been trying to balance that, you know, figuring out I got to do what's best for me and my family, and I can't, you know, I can't worry about what everybody else thinks. But but at 17 years old, like, did, did that did that have a toll on you, that the older coaches making you feel like that you've let them down and, like, putting that pressure on you? Um, no, not so much. You know, I've been – my mom and dad were always tough on me, so for someone to just yell at me and cuss me out didn't really bother me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my parents never – my parents weren't really – my parents don't cuss. They, they weren't people like that. But, I mean, my mom was always tough on me. So, I mean, stuff like that, it just never – like, it, it didn't phase me. It was just kind of more of a shock, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, he was that – he was that, like, upset by me wanting to not go to a school that he – he probably won't be at it two or three years, <laughs> honestly. So – my next question would be coming straight from that. 
you know, the, these coaches are watching you at high school games. These coaches are watching you at, at AAU games. And I'm a teacher, so I know what that high school environment's like. But did your games start – like, did your high school games, were, were they like a big event that everybody wanted to be at because they know they were seeing you, but also they were seeing these coaches? Um, yeah. That – I mean, plus also, I mean, we were – like, I went to a private school, so we were always targeted by public schools. You know, people got tired of us, and we were winning. So, I'm going to say my yeah. freshman year. My freshman year, we won uh, six cha- state championships in different sports. and. So everybody was, like, kind of mad at what we were doing. And so people always, like, targeted us, wanted us to win. And then, you know, after we were, we won my freshman, sophomore, and junior year and lost in the, in the final, the state championship my senior year. And so, like, our games are always a huge deal. And I feel like the state of Oklahoma kind of didn't really – they didn't really push the, the it, like, the issue on what our games meant because we played against, like – we had a game against Blake Griffin uh, my freshman and sophomore year. And our, our first game, we played at our gym, and it was packed, you know, standing room only. And I feel like, you know, it, if they hadn't known, they could have put us in a bigger arena. And then the next time we played at their place, which is even smaller, and they said that they had to turn turn away like two or 300 people at the door. So I, f- I feel like, I don't know, yeah, we had huge games in, in – it was just, I mean, it was just a spectacle to see. And those games were always heated, especially my freshman year, because we didn't have AC in the gym. And so people get heated, you know, <laughs> tempers rise and, and things happen. It was a lot of fun. You know, just I, I always love to compete. And so it just, it just made basketball that much more fun. Plus, growing up, seeing my brother, because my brother won three state championships too, to see their team be so successful and do so well, it's kind of like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, like high school games in and of themselves are crazy. Like no matter where you're playing. Yeah, like no matter if you're playing, like if it's just like a bunch of random dudes or whatever, if you're in a high school gym, anything can happen. Like it is normally normally the parents that that are escalating everything. Like they're starting to scream across the gym. I've been in situations like as a teacher and stuff where I'm I'm seeing like people, like parents screaming on the court at the referees or screaming across the court. So, I mean, like high school games in and of themselves are – yeah, and for us, it was more so the student section, their chance they had. Our, yeah. student section, our student section was always wild, too, so that's one thing that really helped us, too. That's why I love playing at home. I mean, it was so much fun. There's one thing – like, there's a lot of things that I miss. I miss high school basketball. I miss playing there. I miss AAU traveling with friends and, fam- and family, you know, playing around the United States. And then, I don't know, it's just a bunch of things that you take for granted in life when you're in that moment. So, uh, and, and like, was you more? Would you rather play at home or away? Like, did you like the pressure of going somewhere else and beating that team, or was you more of like, I like to play at home where my fans are cheering me on? Both. Okay. Both. I I love I love the pressure of being at home, and I love the pressure of being on the road too. Okay. I, I love it. I love. I mean, I just like I said, I just love to compete. So I really don't feel pressure either way. I just, I just, I mean, I really just love playing basketball. And that's what it's always been special about. I've always loved being a part of a team and playing together. And the fact that I got to do that with friends for a good part of my, my like, childhood was amazing. So these letters, these letters start coming in. You know, it's obviously a big deal around the high school. Were there more, were there more athletes at your high school that were receiving, like, you know, high D1 interest? Or were you kind of the only one? 
No, it was it was a bunch of us in, in different sports. I want to say I there was me and another and another and another guy who played D one basketball, and then we had like a lot of D one. We had some D one football athletes too. Okay, so I mean, it, it was kind of a it was a normal thing for there to be like high profile athletes at that school. And yeah, it did. I mean, we had tennis, we had swimming, we had multiple sports. We had D one athletes. So the letters start coming into you. Who was the first school that really, you know, really took an interest in you and went all in trying to get you at their school? Definitely Baylor. Just the, the pressure they put on and how, I mean, like I said, they sent, I got 300 letters, I want to say, in one day from, from Baylor. And so at one point they were highly interested. Was, was the coach, was it Scott Drew? Who was, who was the coach at that time? Was it Scott Drew? Yeah, it was Scott Drew. Okay. And then, and then some of the, the other schools start, you know, start coming in and, th- and they start recruiting you. And then, you know, I've, I've been looking at your, your interests. And I know, you know, obviously, you went to Kentucky, but Kansas and Oklahoma State. And, and, and there were plenty of other well, – what other schools, you know, what, what was the list of schools that really was coming after you when you were in high school? Uh. I mean, it'd be easier to tell you who wasn't. It was, it was, I mean, from Connecticut, Kansas, Kentucky, of course, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Baylor, pretty much all the Big 12. Uh, I want to, like, Clemson, USC, UCLA, uh, who else? Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it was, it was a whole lot. I mean, it, I mean, it was. Like I was truly blessed. I really was. Looking Who, back on it and talking about it now, it was it was amazing. It, it's it's cool. It's cool to listen to. Like it, it's you know I'm I'm enjoying hearing this because this is the first time we really jumped into this together, and yeah. I'm enjoy, I'm enjoying hearing it you know as well because I'm I'm sitting here trying to picture everything that happens. Who was the coach that was the coolest when they came on a home visit? Um, mm, that's a good question. I don't know. I like. Who was it? Bill Self was always cool. My mom, like a bunch of coaches always talked to my dad and my brother. Yeah. A lot of these coaches, they recruited my brother. And so like Bill Self was always like, he always talked to my mom, always made sure he called her. And so that was always something special that I had with him. I feel like, and that's why Kansas was always in like that front running or I wouldn't say front running. They were in that position where I always considered them in Kentucky. Okay. Kentucky was definitely a front runner. But that's why I always consider consider Kentucky and like I mean consider Kansas and didn't ever rule them out. Yeah, I mean I I I'd seen some stuff earlier today that I was you know I was researching and doing some stuff on and I mean it, it appeared to me from the things that you said in the past that like Kansas Kansas was a serious option for you like you know you yeah. you, you 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 look back at that I mean I know you're happy that you went to Kentucky but you know that Kansas was right there the entire time and and you could have seen yeah. yourself going there as well. I mean mainly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mainly because of Bill Self. But, I mean, it was the first time I touched down in Lexington, it was over. Like, I pretty much knew that I wanted to be here. And then when I came on my official visit, like, I landed at midnight and had, I want to say, like, 100 – it was like 100 people just in the hotel and didn't expect it. I'm groggy walking in, and then you just hear a roar. I'm like, what is going on? And then they just start chanting my name. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this isn't serious. 
So after that, it's like, yeah, this is where I belong. This is this is what I want to do. So who who was? And I know because I mean we've talked about you know you traveling around the country playing AU and stuff like that. Who who were some of the other guys in that class that you were really close to? You know that you were talking to while you guys were making that decision. Um. I don't know. Me and there was always like because I always played with. I always ended up with certain people at different camps that I always be close to. And so, I don't know. I've always been cool with everybody. Like I never really had a problem with anybody. So in my class, the people that I was super close with were like Alex Oriaki, Tristan Spurlock. Um, there for a while it was uh, AJ Walton. Um, once me and John, John Hood, we became close to him. We ended up roommates too at Kentucky, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, who else? I don't know. There was, there were so many guys. I feel like I'm, I know I'm leaving a lot of people out that I was always cool with and close to. And it, we just had like a very talented class, like a very fun class. Me yeah. and John, I mean, like me and John Wall played, what was it? It was a, I can't remember what camp it was. He and I ended up on the same team and I would literally just grab outlets or grab rebounds and just throw outlets to him the <laughs> whole camp. And I was like, this is literally the easiest thing I've ever done. I just grab the rebound, throw it to him. He goes down and either dunks layups. He finds a way to finish it. And that was at that point, that's when I realized, yeah, I love to play with him in college. That'd be so much fun. So, so, so that's a real thing. Like you, you begin to see guys that you're, that you're playing at these camps and stuff with, and you're looking at them and you're saying like, this is somebody that I'd like to play with. Like is is that is that what you're doing? Like you're you're starting to see these guys, and you're saying like I I, w- I would like to team up with those guys. I mean, more so at first, like the parents kind of create, and even like the the scouts they create like the the competing behind it, the competing idea. But like I said, I've always been on, I've always been wanting to be on teams and wanting to be on good teams. So when you kind of all see it together, and then it's like I want to say everything kind of hit me. When we were playing at uh, my first time ever playing at Madison Square Garden at the Jordan Brand Classic, and you know you had John Wall there, you had Demarcus there, and it's like, dang, hold on, we're all going to be on the same team next year. <laughs> like it was, it was just exciting to think about and exciting to kind of envision and imagine all of us together. Like, because I've never played with another big like Demarcus. That never happened in my life. There's not many. Right. That's few and far between. I have never played with a guard like John Wall. I mean, and, you you and can tell so me just, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but like from what I'm watching and I'm I'm seeing from a different perspective than you are. But I mean, he John Wall is the fastest guy with the ball I've ever seen in my life. Yes, and I will tell people that for sure. Fastest guy I've ever seen with the ball. I remember there was a game I think you all played at Indiana, and uh, it was at Assembly Hall. And I, it might have been your DeMarcus one got the rebound and got the outlet. And John was down in like three dribbles and yep. like jumped off the wrong, like jumped off the wrong foot and dunked it left-handed. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yep. And we hey. saw it every day in practice. It was just like we got used to it. We got spoiled. We got used to it. But no, I even still knew, like, yeah, man, this this guy's a human. This is this is crazy. That's crazy. So I want to I, I want to go back for a second to talk about the AAU stuff because you did travel um, with the AAU team and and you tra- I mean you traveled you know all over. What all places did you travel at, in in high school to play basketball? 
Um, whew, Vegas many times, Texas all the time, Kansas all the time because that's surrounded Oklahoma. And then we went to Tennessee, Florida, uh, where else? Virginia, playing Boo Williams, uh, South Carolina for the Peach Jam. I mean, we literally went everywhere. And then I played with the Compton Magic too, which is an Adidas team. So that's the thing, like, I didn't understand, like, like, I knew there was Adidas teams. I knew there were Nike teams, but it was a whole different brand of basketball. Like, Nike was, like, rough. Like, you're gonna, it's going to be a dog fight every game. You're going to be – it's literally, like, you're going in the trenches. It's going to be bumps, bruises, cuts, scratches, everything. And then Adidas was just fast. It was a fast-paced game. It's running gun. You go, and it, like, it's weird because you play against guys that you've never seen before, like, the first game I ever played, I remember I played against Aaron Gordon's brother, Drew Gordon, and I saw him do something. I'm like, you got – I've never – like, he was super athletic, like his brother, too. So, it's just like you see a different brand of basketball player, and it's and it's just so – I mean, it, it was just eye-opening. Like, dang, there's a lot of guys I haven't really played against. That's crazy. Why and do you – So, you travel everywhere. Like, I play – like, I want to say we played in the Cactus Classic with the, with the Compton Magic. I played in – we played in California a good amount, too. So, I mean, it was just fun getting to travel and see the world. See, I mean, not see the world at that point, but see the country. Why do you think Why do you think the brand of basketball is different? Like, that, that's interesting to me. Like, why do you think it was different between Adidas and Nike? Oh, no. I never thought about that. But it definitely was. It definitely was. It was, it was definitely uh, was a whole lot faster pace and an adjustment. So and 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 we're not we're not going to dive deep into this. We're we're going to keep this on the surface and not go any deeper than this. What I'm getting ready to ask you right here at, at those AAU tournaments, are there also agents like in the stands, anything like that? I mean, I'm not asking you to to say anything further, but just like were they there? Uh, I mean, seriously, not that I know of. I'm sure they're there. Okay, but I mean. <laughs> Like lurking I mean, behind it, the shadows. <laughs> I mean, more so. Also, you got to realize a lot of agents are also basketball fans. Yeah, true. So to see, so to see young talent coming up, like I mean, is is special. But I mean, I wouldn't hold it against. Them. I'm pretty sure there's agents there. But it, I mean, especially now that social media has taken a different, a different. Um, I mean, it, it's just elevated youth basketball to another level. I would say they're for sure agents around all the time but then I, I don't know not so much because the fans are empty you had parents the parents that did go to tournaments and then you had on one side and then you had coaches on the other side so they couldn't see where the coaches were and you pretty much knew who the parents were so I would say no nah, not so much agents really okay I, I got another question it's kind of on that same line recently I watched the interview with DeMarcus where he said that, you know, if, if he could do it over again, the whole recruiting process, he talks to Taylor Rooks just like a couple of days ago. He said that he would be interested, you know, in, in visiting and, you know, maybe even attending a historically black college, HBCU. Would, yeah. would it, with, with the way things are at this moment, would that be something that you would be interested in if you, if you had to do it over? Definitely take into consideration. And I want to say my my grandfather always like he because he always spoke highly of HBCUs and so like you know at first like I don't even I was recruited by some, but at the time it was like you know I want to say that was like my freshman and sophomore year when college when my college really started recruiting me and so at that point in time I didn't take it serious I was like you know I'm far away from college this isn't gonna happen for some odd years, 
But I would definitely take a look into it because there was um, a player in our class, Zeke Marshall, who Zeke was, you know, he wasn't, uh, I don't think he was a five-star recruit, but he was still like, a, I want to say three or four-star recruit. So people asked him, because he went to the University of Akron, they asked him, what made you choose the University of Akron? And he always said, he kept it real, you know, guys always choose, you know, they want to go be the man at these high universities, but they ended up getting lost on, on the roster, following the depth chart. And so he's kind of wanted to go to a place where he could thrive and see himself be successful. And I always admired Zeke for that. And actually, I talked with Zeke the other day, too. We're still good friends. We played together for a little bit in Maine uh, in the D-League at the time. Um, so, you know, that that's one thing that I, I feel like I would take into consideration is, is kind of like, you know, taking a visit at least to an HBCU. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I think especially if, if your recruitment was going on today, it, it would it would be important for you to do that, you know, and I, I think that would that would factor in as well. So, I mean, I, sure. I, I, I like that DeMarcus said that, and I like that you said that as well because I, I do I do think that's really important. I know there's a, there's a kid now, Mikey Williams, that's like a yep. sophomore or junior, and, and he's talking about it. And um, uh, was it Thon Maker's brother just committed to, to Howard um, – so, I mean, that, that happening is cool because I know we, we know of the Blue Bloods and, and all of that in college basketball. But for, for, for the HBCUs to also start getting some players, I, I think is really cool. No, I think it is. I think it's going to be awesome, you know, once you start seeing more HBCUs in the tournament, too. I think that's going to be so incredible. And you, you have, like, right now, uh, those two players you named, Mikey and, and uh, Maker, they're both people who could change, you know, the – that whole perception of everything going on too. So I think that could be something that, that kind of changes the, just to change the norm, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and you're right because those guys have, they have star power kind of coming into college. And so I know, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure you could tell me better than, than I would know myself, but I know if those guys end up going to those colleges, like ESPN is going to put their games on. Yeah. No, they definitely are. They're going to get TV time, and and that's that's notoriety for those schools, and and I I think that's really great and cool. So I you know I'm I'm glad to hear that. So keep keeping keeping on the same you know the high school, um, what was going on there? Who who? And I know that I'm sure they both did, but at the time, who had a a, a bigger uh, impact or say on what your college choice was going to be? Was it your mom or your dad? Neither. They both have been through the process. Of my. And they were like, you know what, we can help you make the decision, but ultimately this has to be a decision that you make so you can't tell anybody, like, I wish you wouldn't have pushed me there or I really didn't want to do this and you made me. So they made me, like I said, my mom made me tell all the coaches, she's like, no, you got to handle this. This is your decision. We're going to guide you through this process. You're not alone in this. But at the end, ultimately you had to make that final decision. I, I like that because I know I'm sure, and I'm sure you saying it as well. I'm sure there were a lot of guys that their parents played a big impact in where they go. And, you know, we hear the stories as, as fans and recruiting stuff. So it's, it's cool to hear that, that your parents kind of were hands off and let you make your own decision. And it made you accountable for what you were doing. Exactly. And it's kind of like at the end of the day, you can't blame anybody else but yourself for being in that, in that position. So you were you were hurt the majority of your senior year. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I was hurt all my senior year until we got to the playoffs. That, even that, then, I didn't. I didn't play. I want to say in the first round of the playoffs, something like that. So how did how did that impact? Um, you know, what colleges came after you? Were, did everybody st- stick around, or were there some a little bit more hesitant than others because of your injury, or what was that like for you? I was still. I mean, I, I was still committed to Kentucky, and then you know, it's a it's a process that kind of like I. I was going through a lot at that time when I did get hurt because I, it's like I got hurt my senior year. You know, it was like – and I'm thinking to my whole time, like, this is something out of, a, out of a book, out of a movie. I can't believe this is happening. I would, like, all my teachers – like, I, I feel like a lot of my teachers growing up – because I always wanted to play professional basketball. I always wanted to be a basketball player. Like, in school, I had a full notebook where I would just practice my signatures – and one of the That's teachers cool. came by. She said, "She said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm practicing my signature. She took it from me and just said, focus. I was like, I'm learning everything. I get it. She's like, no, just focus. And I, I was, she took it, and I was like, and I, I was just messing with her because I've always been a class clown. I said, you better keep it because it might be worth a lot of money someday. <laughs> You're just right. messing with her. <laughs> and so um, she, after that, she was like, well, what happens if you, if you break your leg and can't ever play basketball again? I was like, I don't ever want to think about that. And I asked, I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> um, but then it's like thoughts like that go through your head whenever you are hurt. And it's like, geez. And you see, like, that's kind of when social media was getting big. And so, you, like, I, I had Facebook at the time. And it's like, you know, what will be a Dan Lord? And will we still keep him through this whole process? Like, is he going to be the same after an injury in high school? Early on in his career, he has this injury that has, that is just you know career that used to be career ending. How's he going to bounce back? And so it's kind of like, dang, it's like I don't want Kentucky to you know not you know keep me on scholarship. I don't I want to stay committed through all of this and everything. And it, and it's just stressful to think about starting that whole process again. And then Billy Gillespie gets fired. It's like, well, dang, this just throws a whole wrench into everything. Then, you know, my mother passes. It's like, oh, God, like, this this story, this is all in one year? Like, when does this all end? This is, everything's going crazy. Like, everything's moving so fast. And then fast forward, you know, I'm going through rehab, fighting through every day. I get back to playing. I finally get to play in the state championship. Boom, you know, there's so much excitement behind me coming back. Um, in my school, you know, we had a pep rally and my, one of my best friends, Gabe Bikert, he announced that I was going to be back in the playoffs. The whole school goes crazy. And so, you know, we're doing well, but I can only play half of the game throughout the whole playoffs. And so, you know, there's that tension there. And then we end up losing the championship. And this is, that was whole, that was new to us because we had never lost. And so it was just a huge adjustment again. Then I had to go through, and then it's like everything spirals so fast. Everything's going so fast, and before I know it, I'm on the University of Kentucky campus, <laughs> and I feel like you know, there were so many things that I looked forward to in going to college because I had seen everything that my mom had did with my brother, in that like she always came up, and you know we would she would cook meals for him. She would have the guys come over. They would they would always kind of be around. So I had like what nine or ten brothers, big brothers around me that all played at the university or that all played at Oklahoma State. And it was just a lot of fun getting that experience. And I always look forward to that. Like, you know, when I get to college, this is how it's going to be. 
And so that's one kind of, that's one thing that kind of like, I don't know, I was just dealing with a lot when I got to that point and got to college, you know, it's just, it's always something that I wanted my whole family to kind of experience with me. And I just didn't have her there and just a a lot was going on in, in my personal time. And I did the most I could to kind of take in that whole aspect of Kentucky basketball. And it was also amazing. And I loved it so much. But it was still things that, you know, you just sometimes in life, you just wish things happened differently. But you, you, you go through it, you live and you adjust. And, and it seems to me um, that obviously your, your mother's passing played, played such a huge part in that, um, you know, in, in, in that difficulty. And I can't even imagine what that's like for a senior in high school, you know, de- dealing, dealing with all of that at that moment, having, having to, to go through those things. And, and that's what I'm saying, man. Like, people, people don't understand what you guys go through as individuals. We see, no. we, we see you – and, you know, it, it's great. It, being, being a fan's awesome, and I'm not trying to rag on us as fans or anything. But, like, we, we see you as athletes, and we see you as, as people that are playing for our teams that we can cheer for and that we can be excited for and hope that you bring us a championship. But at the end of the day, yeah. that's, that's kind of as far as it goes. We don't, we don't get a chance to know you as, as people. And, and hearing, hearing you talk about that your senior year, man, like – that that devastates me for you that you had to go through all that and I just I just wish that was something that people understood that every time that that you know it's easy to criticize those who are who are playing basketball or who are athletes or who are in power but you really need to get to understand and and take the opportunity to find out what's going on in that person's life yeah but I mean it's it's something that you accept as an athlete too and you know you welcome it if you can't deal with it then you get out of that life um but I mean it was just kind of interesting kind of like you learn, like, it was so awesome to – I, I want to say it was awesome going to Kentucky, you know, the situation that we had and so many different players coming into to that university at that time and everybody learning and growing together and learning, like, different aspects of people's life because there were things that us freshmen could bond over to. It's like, okay, all of us are far from home. Like, we're far from what we know, and this is, like, a new atmosphere for all of us that – only honestly out of the freshmen that John Hood could understand with Kentucky basketball. I had an idea, but really didn't fully know. Yeah, he I mean he lived in the state. He was here. Exactly. So he knew, but like we kind of have an idea, but you don't know until you're here and fully experiencing that atmosphere like all the time. So, so let me. I, I, I want to take one more step back just really quickly because you you mentioned something there that I wanted to talk about for a second. Billy Gillespie was the one that recruited you to Kentucky, um, and and he 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 got hired here in two thousand and eight after Tubby Smith left, and um, you know there was a lot of there was a lot of hype and a lot of people that were really excited for Billy to coach at Kentucky because I mean he had done some really good things at Texas A and M. They beat Louisville in the Sweet Sixteen at Rupp Arena. And, you know, Billy was was thought of at the time as as kind of an up-and-comer, as somebody, you know, who was ready for this position at, as the head coach of Kentucky basketball. What was it like? What was he like being recruited by him? And, and what kind of person was he? How, how, how well did you get to know him? Um, you know, we only had, like, a couple of instances where we really had, like, conversation. He was um, – 
I don't know. It was it was interesting talking to Billy because he was just I mean, he was very like really engaged, 100 percent engaged in, in kind of getting to know the player and the person that I was. And so it was just it was an experience that, you know, I just kind of took in and everything. And, you know, talking to guys who were here before you, you really start to figure out him as a coach. And it's like, you know, it's something that you think about, but not really because, you know, I'm never going to have him as a coach. You know, I, I, like, I'm, I'm here with Cal. So, I mean, it was just, I mean, you get the experience of a coach who's recruiting you, which is completely different from a coach who's actually coaching you. Once you actually get to, you actually get to know a coach through him coaching you, not really through him, co- like, recruiting you. And that's the best way I can put it. Okay. So, and, and, and the thing that I took from Billy, like just being, you know, watching him and hearing stuff around the program and stuff was that he, he was really intense when it came to basketball. It didn't seem like that he had the biggest of personalities like outside of basketball, but it seemed like he was really, like you said, engaged and intense when it came to the game of basketball. So then he gets fired and then, you know, you're, you, you've already committed and then, you know, they hire Cal. What was it like when Cal – because I'm, I'm assuming that there was – had to be a little bit of a recruitment time. You know, I'm sure Cal had to reach out to you and talk to you. What was what was it like being talked to and recruited by Cal? Cal, the day after he got the job, he flew out to Oklahoma and came wow. to see me. He came he came and sat in our, in our living room, and he, he told me, he said, listen, I'm tired as hell. You know, I just got the job. But everybody <laughs> told me that, you know, you have to go – see Daniel like we want to keep Daniel here and he's like I want you to be a part of this as much as I'm sure you want to be a part of this I was like honestly you could have just had it you could have just gave me a phone call and asked me if I would <laughs> still be here because I told him I told him I was like there's no other place I really wanted to be I told him I committed to the school I didn't commit to the coach I said so I'm with you 100 percent 1000 percent and he he looked tired and so I knew he was like genuine in, in what he was saying like I'm tired as hell I got a million things going on and so me and him kind of laughed about it at that moment. He was like, okay, awesome. He's like, I'm going to get back on my plane. I'm going to get back to Kentucky and get things rolling for us. I was like, do the best you can because I'm looking forward to the next upcoming year. That's, that's cool because, like, the, the fact that he – as soon as he gets hired, he comes out and, you know, talks to you. I'm sure – I'm like, you, I'm here you talk. That meant a lot to you. And it, it's, it's cool to hear that because I, I remember at the time that, I mean, dude, like getting Daniel Orton, you were, you were one of the biggest recruits that we had had in years. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that that meant a lot to you. It, was, it did mean a lot. It meant a whole lot. I mean, it was – because, I mean, I, I know of John Calipari. So, I mean, it, it was interesting to see all these coaches in my living room wanting to talk to me. And so, it was just something special once he said, you know – he got the job the day before and flew out. And because I saw, like, you know, I was still following Kentucky basketball closely. So I saw his press conference, watched it all. And then literally the next day he was at my house. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm, I'm still down, still in, in for this. You know, uh, I'm ready. Let's get it. Do you, do you remember, like, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but do you remember, did, did you, did you watch any or say any of the stuff like the day that Billy Gillespie got fired? Did you ever hear anything about that? I didn't. So, like, apparently, this is what, like, some of the, the other media people have said. Like, that they, they were looking to fire him, and he was driving around, like, New Circle Road in Lexington, like, and, and, and wouldn't pick up the phone so they couldn't fire him. And then, then he comes in, like, he finally comes into the office, and there's a video of, of, like, Alan Cutler, who did TV media at the time, like, chasing him down the hallway trying to get a comment from him, but he won't answer. It's ridiculous. Like, you, you, you need to check it out. It's ridiculous. Huh. 
I can imagine. Yeah. So, like, I was there ever a time between the firing of Billy Gillespie and the hiring of Cal? Because I know it was maybe a couple of days. Was there ever a time that you were maybe on the fence reconsidering, you know, did any schools reach back out to you? Um, Not that I can remember. I more so was just like at the point was like, I don't want to start this whole recruiting process all over. Like I really made my decision. I was happy where I was. And the way I kind of made my decision was the day I actually committed to Kentucky, um, I was on my official visit. It was the last day of my official visit. I was going to fly out uh, that night. Um, and so what happened? I'm trying to think. Coach Self called me. He called me in my hotel room. Or no, my mom, my mom called. My mom came to my hotel room. She said, Daniel, Coach Self is going to call you. He has something he wants to say. So I'm thinking, oh, like I'm, I'm really set on Kentucky. Like I don't want, I don't want to have this conversation and tell them I don't want to go to Kansas anymore. Because I, I was already debating on, you know, making that decision and letting people know that I'm coming to Kentucky that day. And so he called me. He said, Daniel, you know, this has been a pleasure of mine. You know, I've known you since you were nine years old through recruiting your brother and everything, or eight or nine years old through recruiting your brother. He's like, but I'm sorry to say that, you know, I think. Thomas Robinson signed, and so we have no more scholarships. But if you want to wait until the later signing period, I was I said, Coach Self, let me cut you off. I really appreciate everything. You know, this has been amazing. I appreciate how you treated me, treated my family. But I had already made my decision, basically, and this just kind of solidified everything for me. So I want to thank you for that, too. And it made everything a whole lot easier. And so um, that's when I kind of made the decision that day to commit to Kentucky and it was like it was just really special because everything just made sense and everything fell in line I've got two questions number one yeah what's what's an official visit to Kentucky like like if you're a high school recruit what is an official visit to Kentucky like uh (laughs) I mean it's just it's It's like, I mean, mean, it was really like no other. There was, you know, there's constant fans. Fans are going to know where you're at, of course. You know, the university lets them know. They're they're always going to be, you know, supporting you, kind of letting you know that they want you there. Uh, My visit to Big Blue Madness the year before I got there was incredible, too. Just the chance and everything. You know, you you leave the hotel – you leave your hotel room and go down the the elevator and you stay – at the hotel connected to route too. So as soon as you come out the elevator door, you know, you had the team there and then you have just all the fans in the lobby too. And everybody's rowdy. It's crazy. There's no experience like it. So just to, to go through everything, you know, they make you feel special. And then, you know, it kind of like it, it's, you start to think if this is how it is 24 seven, then this is where I want to be because these people are serious about basketball. These people are serious about winning. This is where, I want to be, and, you know, this is where good things are going to happen. Where was, uh, besides Kentucky, where was the best official visit that you took? I only took two, Kansas and Kentucky. So, like, um, did you did you go to Kansas for uh, Late Night at the Fog or whatever, their, their Midnight Madness? No, I didn't. I, I, th- I just went – I went, like, we – I want to say we went to, like, a football game, and then we had a cookout at uh, Coach Sell's house, and that was about it. 
So who who had the nicer nicer house, Coach Self or uh, Coach Cal? <laughs> uh, it was Coach Gillespie at that time. I never went to Coach Cal. Or actually, I did go to Coach Cal's house, but I was at the I was already at school then. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. <laughs> they I, both I, make good money, so they both have really nice houses. Yeah, I, I bet those houses are crazy. Like I'll I'll drive yeah, by no, Cal. I'll drive by Cal's house sometimes in Lexington. I'm like, man, dad gone. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't lose either or. I mean, they're, they're both <laughs> very nice houses, honestly. So that that brings us to the point of where you are, you know, you've committed, you've signed. Um, maybe maybe the only other couple of questions that I have about the high school recruitment time. You commit to Kentucky. Coach Cal comes to Kentucky. Not long after that, you get commitments from, from John Wall to Marcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe. That, that was pretty much, you know, bang, bang, bang. You know, at, you reaffirmed your commitment. They got DeMarcus. They got John Wall. They got Eric Bledsoe. Um, did you guys begin did – you, did you reach out to them? Did you guys begin talking, you know, before you were on campus? How special was it knowing? Because, you know, going into that, being recruited and committing, having that class, that was – besides the Fab Five, that's probably one of the most important classes in college basketball history. Um. No, we actually should. We, we probably should have. I mean, we really didn't have the communication skills at that point in time to get, communi- to get together and really discuss things and just talk in general and kind of get to know each other. But once we got on campus, like, we all gelled together. And, you know, we just – we all had a great relationship. Because there isn't really – there's no bad people. There weren't any bad people on our team. You know, everybody was amazing. They were all amazing. And we were just phenomenal people. We all got along. We all clicked. And we all just kind of gelled since day one. We were all competitors. We all wanted to win. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, when it, when it goes down to it, when we have to go into these dog fights, when we have to go into the trenches, I'm going to have your back and you're going to have mine. We're going to fight for this because we don't want to let first our brothers down. We don't want to let Coach Cal down. We don't want to let the fans down. We don't want to let our school down. We know what this bigger picture is and that Kentucky hadn't been doing well in past years. And there's so much light shined on us and there's so much pressure on us, but we welcome that pressure and it really brought us all together. And we just had so much fun with it. So I, I think, I think we're going to dig a little bit more into um, the, the Kentucky years on the next episode. I'm going to, I want to ask you one more related question to recruit and then we're going to transition for a minute. But what, what is the craziest fan interaction that you had as a recruit? Is there any that stick out in your mind? You're like, man, that was crazy. There's too many that count, <laughs> but I can, I can give you a few there. Like, so sometimes I would like, cause most of the time I would drive the rope just because I was one of the few that had a car and I would drive some guys sometimes. But sometimes I was like, you know, I don't even want to drive. I'd ride with somebody. And then I would walk back because the lodge, as you know, isn't that far from Rupp. It's just a few blocks away. Right. And so in those walks back, of course, people are going to recognize me because you got to walk through that parking lot where fans park. Right. And then you just get so many interactions. It was like people come up to you. We love you. I know you don't know us, but you're a part of our family. I'm your grandmother, you know, <laughs> this is your grandfather. You, we, you're, you're a huge part of our family. And we just love and appreciate everything you do. We want you to know that we have full support for you and everything you're doing. It's just like, you know, you kind of take it all in. And one time there was like, there was a, I want to say a, a four or five-year-old little girl and her, her dad kind of like walked up. He's like, Hey, listen, like, can you just take a picture? Like she's seriously your guy's biggest fan. Like, and it, it's funny. If you want to, you can ask her, you know, stats, height, weight. She literally knows all of it. And I like, I'm asking her, 
Like, okay, so what's our stats? And then she just rambles off, you know. At four years old? At four years old. I kid you not. Wow. And it just blew me away. Like, because <laughs> obviously she gets it from somewhere, her dad, yes. But for her to have that, like, crazy fanatic experience was just amazing too so i mean it's, it's just it just blows you away how crazy these people are here it, it, it's cracked me up that like there was an old lady that said to you i'm your grandmother and this is your grandfather like that I mean, they truly adopt you like this is yeah you know like 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 the saying goes la familia tgt the greatest tradition that is it and and I, I I know I know man I know that because I I mean I, I want to talk to you about some games and stuff on the next episode and and really dive into that Kentucky year because that that's I mean like I said that's one of my favorite years of all time but we're we're gonna we're gonna transition you know we're gonna stop here at the high school the high school recruiting days any any before we go to our next part here Daniel any final words on your high school days that that we haven't touched on yet um uh. No, nothing I can think of right now. All right, we wrapped it up with a bow. So the second part of our podcast that that we, it won't run as long. We're just going to talk a little bit about uh, some some of the the stuff that's going on right now. And I know that that Daniel, being a basketball player himself, and and me, you know, a huge basketball fan and, and media person, uh, we've got the NBA back, and we've we've got the bubble, and we've been through three scrimmage games so far. The regular season starts tomorrow. Daniel, tell me, because you, you see things from a different perspective. Is there any teams or players that you're seeing so far in the games that you've been able to watch? Is there anybody that's really standing out to you at this point? I mean, you kind of <laughs> – there's a lot of guys. Really, I mean, it's just fun kind of watching LeBron right now because you see his focus. He, he has the, the determination right now to win a ring, and I feel like he's kind of leading the Lakers himself and, and – having like the determination, the poise to, to get ready to win the championship. But then also, you know, you, you see the Clippers too, just there kind of being, I guess, somewhat of what you would call an underdog. I don't know. I wouldn't call them an underdog necessarily, but fighting for their chance too. It's just going to be interesting to see how everything kind of plays out, not just for those two teams, but you have so many guys, you know, you, you see the transition of CJ McCollum in his game and how he's developing. You, you, there's a lot of stories going on in this bubble, especially with like J.R. Smith coming back, Deion yeah. Waiters coming back. There's so many different stories going on in this bubble that from a player's perspective and a fan perspective, you're excited to see. Let Tell me, tell me, and, and one of the things I've been interested in, and I like that you hit on it. For me right now, I, I would say that outside of the playoff teams, because we kind of know who the top seeds are, in both conferences, you got Lakers, Clippers in the Western Conference. Then you got the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. But but you you talked about CJ McCollum and, and the, the the Trailblazers for me are a dangerous team. They're not in the playoff push yet. They're like th- they're like three and a half or four games out. But they got a chance to make that play-in game. And 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 you tell me if I'm wrong, man. But I but you're telling me you got Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum. They got Yusef Nurkic back. They got John Collins back. They got Carmelo Anthony, who's looked like that he's lost some weight. Like, do you agree that that they could be a dangerous team with those guards? Most definitely. I feel you know. Unfortunately. 
the situation that they're in with the bubble is because of, you know, COVID. And honestly, I feel like anything can happen because of everything that's going on in the world right now. Everything's so unpredictable. You don't know what can happen. And so it, you just – you can't really count anybody out. Yeah, I mean, that that's it. And I'm, I'm excited uh, to continue to watch it. Another question that I have for you and another thing that's been interesting to me is the Rockets – they they're not really using a traditional big man anymore. Like they're they're going pretty pretty much guard heavy. I mean, sometimes they play PJ Tucker at the five, and he's like six seven. And you know they they really space the the floor out and and shoot a lot of threes. Is that difficult to play against? Do you think that's difficult to play against with no traditional big man? Or what do you think would it be like playing against the Rockets right now with with all those guards and that space on the court? I mean, it's definitely it's definitely difficult. I mean, uh, no, it's just different. I wouldn't say difficult as far as matchup wise. I feel like you just play a different matchup style than you normally would with ever whatever team you have. You know, you do play smaller, or if you want to try, you know, see if they can guard your bigs. If you have a big that can step out there and guard guards, then of course you're going to play them. So I think it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And everybody was looking forward to it. You know, they've slowly been transitioning into this small ball type of play. And so it's just interesting to see them fully buying into it. Do you do you think they could win a title with that team? I don't know. I mean, they have they have what I would say two Hall of Famers and Russ and, and and James Harden. Yeah. And, and so I mean, I mean, it's been done with much less. The the thing the thing for me is is that I look and I say like I think the Rockets match up really well with the Clippers because the Clippers don't really have a dominant big like that they've got Vika Zubac and Montrezl Harrell both great players but I mean they don't have a dominant big I don't think the Rockets match up as good with the Lakers because I mean you put I mean, Anthony Davis is probably the best big man in the game right now so like I think it would kind of be all about matchups for the Rockets so I'm a little bit hesitant to say that they could win the title but I mean you're right they got they've got two Hall of Famers, and James Harden might be, like, the third best shooting guard of all time. Yeah. I don't know. It's just – I think it's going to be really fun just watching the teams that are in the bubble because I feel like Memphis right now with their with their young core that they have is really fun to watch. Yeah, man. John ja, ja Morant's special. Like, he is. He, he, he is. He is something and else. And I, I'm a huge Jaron Jackson Jr. fan, too. Yeah, he's like I, I seen him. He was he was hitting some threes yesterday. Like he he's a big man, but he I mean he he reminds me of of your game. You know, can can hit an outside shot. Can is a good shot blocker. Like he is versatile. And and I think I think I mean they they might hold on to that AC. They're really good. No, he. I mean I saw it firsthand for the first time. Like I saw him in college a little bit, yes, but I saw it more so like I want to say it was two summers ago. We went to Gers Camp, and Gers Camp is kind of like um. Is a camp. I don't know if you heard of it or not, but it's where like a, a lot of rookies go to or sophomores, and then some guys trying to work their way back into the league go to it too. I want to say, uh, who who was there? Amari was there. Amari Stoudemire was yeah. there. Um, I can't even remember who. Gerald Henderson was there. There was a lot of guys, you know, just kind of putting on, you know, their games and display, trying to show they can get back. And I did well, but it was like one thing that really stuck out to me was like we started doing one on one in the morning. And so I matched it with Jaron Jackson. I caught the ball on the wing. I made a dribble move. I want to say I went uh, baseline with the right. I went between my legs behind the back, hit him with the hezzy, and he jumped for that. And so I thought I had him. So I just walked in as early in the morning and tried to lay it up, and he blocked it. I looked at the coach. I was like, that wasn't goal to. He's like, no, he got that. I'm like, 
can't. <laughs> okay, my fault. He's like, I'll dunk it next time. He's like, yeah, you sure as hell should have dunked it the first time. He's like, you got me. So that's what – I mean, it's just kind of it, – it's different once you see guys, like, firsthand, too, and get that full experience of them. Who, who do you – I mean, like, out of, out of all the guys, I mean, obviously you got LeBron and Russ – uh, with their athleticism, is there any more guys like right now in the bubble that you're like you've played against, or that you saying that you're just like, man, their athleticism is you don't even understand how much, how athletic they are? Um, I don't know because I feel like you kind of see everybody's athleticism on full display. Giannis and is crazy, like of course it is. I mean, it's just when you see footers like Javale McGee is crazy athletic too. So when you just see these like super tall, super lanky guys who are athletic, it's just, like, kind of mind-blowing, honestly. Like, I, I look at I look at Dwight for the Lakers, and I'm just like, man, like, he, he he's always been an athletic freak. But even now, he's, like, 34, 35. Like, he is still so athletic. It is insane. Yeah. Oh, that's another story we're going to have, too, because Dwight, like, matching up with Dwight every day in practice, my rookie season was, was an experience. And it, it, it got so bad that Donald Foyle, he retired the year before, so he was with us, like, kind of uh, player personnel, personnel guy. And he told me, he was like, what you're going to want to do is get padded tights for your ribs because those elbows are going to, like, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna hit and it's not going to feel good. And so I kind of, like, you kinda, that was, like, my entry point into the league, learning how to play against Dwight Howard and guarding him. And it's like, Man. if I can hold my own against Dwight, then I should be good around the rest of the league too. So, I mean, that's, that's a different story for another day. But, I mean, it's, you just spoke on that, so I just had to get that thought out there. Yeah, man, he's so physical. Like, I was watching the Lakers game the other day, and J they, they they ran a pin down for JR, and JR throws the law back up over his head. And Dwight yep. caught it, man, just like from a ridiculous angle and dunked it. I'm like, my God, man, he is so athletic. It is insane. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine what that's like bodying up with him every day. I mean, we would have water breaks in practice, and he would do dunk contest dunks in between the water breaks. <laughs> So, I mean, it's something that you kind of get used to. <laughs> but at the same time, yes, it's still crazy. It's ridiculous. Man, that, that is nuts. So, what, one more thing. I, well, two more things. But real quick, I wanted to go over, um, just, just kind of get your idea on, because they are doing the NBA awards. Um, they, are, they are giving them out in the next couple of days. And I figured that we would go ahead and give our NBA award winners uh, to see who we think should win and see if we agree with, with the consensus. So, we will start off. With MVP Daniel Orton, if the, if you had a vote, would your MVP this year be LeBron James or Giannis? Oh, that's tough to say. I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I feel like I, enough of the season hasn't gone by. That's tough. But they're, but, but they're but they're they're announcing it like they're they're doing it. The MVP voting is now, and they're announcing it like I don't know, like next week or something. I know, and that and I like I just don't agree with that. I would say at this point, LeBron. But I feel like it is <laughs> they should both win it, to be real with you. Yeah. To be honest. Like, they should have co-MVPs this year. I feel like it's not fair to Giannis or it's not really fair to LeBron to, to give it to just one person. It cracks me up that LeBron – like, have you, have you seen, like, the gray in LeBron's beard? Yeah. He, he's been dominating for so long that, like, he has gray in his beard and it's still yeah. – like, I mean, still, it's still front-runner for it's, MVP. It's crazy to, to like – because, like, the other day I want to say – I saw a picture of LeBron Camp and all the guys who were in his photo who were now like stars in the league. It was like it was because it was. I want to say Demarcus John Wall, Demar Derozan, 
who else was there? A bunch of guys, I don't know, it was a bunch of guys in the picture who were just stars in the league right now. So just to see, like, all these guys went to his camp and he's still dominating is just, I mean, it, it speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of those guys, like, you, you know, they're, they've, they may be retired or, or not around anymore and he's still around. Like, that's, yep. that, that, that's insane to me. So we, yep. we both, we, you, you would say co-MVPs, LeBron, Giannis. I'm probably sticking with LeBron, but I'm biased. Our next award is Defensive Player of the Year. You got there's really three top contenders. There's Giannis, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Davis. Who would be your defensive player of the year? Oh no, I'm probably going Anthony Davis. I do too, man. Like he, the way the way he's I don't know. He's gotten I, I was I was looking at him the other day when they were playing. He's gotten so much bigger, like from his time at Kentucky. He is huge. But I mean, not even that. He can just guard multiple multiple positions. Yeah, and, and he can still he's really, like he's really phenomenal at timing blocks, guarding multiple positions, staying down and staying in front of guards too. He's he, like the the way he he can protect the rim is is amazing. Like he can switch off on the guards and and I don't know. I agree with you. Anthony Davis is my uh, defensive player of the year. All right, for most improved player, we got Luca, Trey Young, or Jason Tatum, or is there somebody else? Who would you pick for most improved? I'm biased on Trey Young. As okay. A, as a as a fellow Oklahoman, I, I've seen him since high school, and like I always knew. Actually, matter of fact, another story on that. His dad calls me and asks me, um, because while they were going through the recruiting process, he asked me about Kentucky, and I told him, I said, "Listen, this is a very unbiased opinion. If you have a chance to go to Kentucky, you go to Kentucky." And his dad told me he was like. You know, I just don't know if I see my son being in college one year and, you know, playing against pros. I'm like, listen, I'll tell you right now, Trey's got it. And if he can't do it after one year, he'll never be able to do it. But he can definitely go. Like, he, he's, he's a talent like no other. And so I think it was more so me really wanting to see Trey at Kentucky too. But, I mean, it all worked out for him in the end. And it, and it felt like, if what I can remember, like that was close. Like Trey, I, I, Kentucky was leading for Trey there for a while. There was a there were some rumors that he was going to commit, and then uh, he kind of, you know, he he decided to go to Oklahoma. But he's like a twenty nine point per game guy. Like Atlanta, Atlanta's got something special. I think there they got Cam Reddish and and DeAndre Hunter, and uh, that like they're they're loaded with young talent. And Trey's you know Trey's the ringleader of that he's really good. No, he's phenomenal, and he, he I mean he just fits. He knows what he's doing. He 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 and his dad they know what they're doing. They're, he he's a great person, great player, and a great personality for the NBA and for the Atlanta Hawks. This is the first time that I'm gonna disagree with you though on uh, award. I think I'm gonna go Luca uh, as my most improved player because man, like I don't know, he's special. Like he and and, and not not that Trey's not like Trey's phenomenal, and yeah. I I love watching Trey. But Luca, man, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just think that what he does for the Mavericks and how good he is—he's like twenty-eight points a game, and he he runs the team. The offense is around him a lot, like LeBron does the Lakers. You know, obviously yeah. Luca doesn't have that same athleticism, but man, he's magic with the ball, and he's he's a great player. I mean, I I don't I don't really disagree with you. The thing why I didn't say Luca is I feel like he's kind of been doing this i don't yeah, think he's true. really improved i think he's more so just kind of come into his own in the nba and kind of like he kind of has gained the 
Dallas's trust, and so they've given him more responsibilities. I don't think he's gotten better. I think it's more of Dallas and him kind of coming to an understanding and really developing that relationship, like, oh, this is what you can do. It All right, let's do it. And it's, it seems like the NBA is in good hands. Like, if, if that's their future with Luca and Trey and Ja and Zion and those guys, like, the NBA, the, the, the future of the NBA is really bright. It is. And, like, all of, like all the talent that the NBA is trying to push as the next superstars, they have great supporting roles in other young players, too. Like, one of my favorite players is honestly in New Orleans, too, and Jackson Hayes. He's yeah. super exciting to watch. Absolutely. And he's super exciting to watch. He's kind of just figuring it out, too. Like, you can tell if you're, if you're watching him, he's just now kind of figuring it out. And when yeah. he does figure it out, man, he's going to be special. But I mean, that's the difference between like the NBA now and when I was there. The NBA is so much younger and they push younger talent now. And it's like when I came into it, like I got drafted by Orlando was behind Dwight Howard, the best center in the league, but not also, I mean, but also behind Marcin Gortat, who was the best backup in the league, who was also, as soon as he moved up from Orlando, boom, he's a starting center. And so it's like at that point, you don't really get a chance as a rookie unless you're on a second round team where they got to play you. So now it's like that younger talent gets more of an introduction to the NBA in the NBA and not just through the D League as it was then, G League now. And it, it seems like now it seems like that um, teams are a little bit more patient with their young guys. Most definitely. Uh, and, and and that's not always been the case because, you know, I mean, I, I know that, that you've had to deal with it. And, and in the past, like normally they, they give guys like one or two years and they're done with them. But now well, if, I mean, yeah, if, for sure. And they just like you got to you got if you can't produce within your first year they're done with you essentially like you don't really you don't get a second chance you always have to be like the two mottos i would say that are constant in the nba be ready stay ready yep yeah, and 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 now it seems like I mean you look at guys I mean like Pascal Siakam he developed like they allowed him the time to develop and the 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 you know the Raptors do a really good job with that but there's a bunch of guys that it took them a little bit longer to figure out but now that the NBA is is allowing that young talent the time to develop um, you know they are getting the chance to figure it out. Yep. So our next award is Rookie of the Year, and I think I know where you'll go on this one. But our, our three real top candidates, well, we got four kind of. We got Ja, uh, Ja Morant, Zion Williamson, Brandon Clark, and Kendrick Nunn from Miami. Who's your pick? Who do you, who do you think I, I'm going to pick? I think you're picking Ja. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, without a doubt. I, I mean, mean – Don't get me wrong, the other guys are great talents, but it's just everything that Ja's done this year. Ja is he is special and athletically he reminds me I'm not saying I don't know if he's going to be on this level but athletically he reminds me a lot of D-Rose I can see that the only thing I worry about Ja right now is and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong but a lot of these dunks he's landing on one leg and I'm terrified he's going to tear his ACL yeah, I don't even want to speak out into existence. That's that's what a lot of people are saying. Um, yeah, he's got to learn how to land. But yeah, also, but- at the same time, he's young, but only be young for so long. I don't know. I just yeah. hope that he, he keeps up this play and he can continue it for the entertainment value. It's, he's, he's exciting to watch. A very fun player. 
he he's special, man. What are, what are your thoughts, real quickly? What are your thoughts on Zion? Uh, super explosive, crazy, athletic, everything that he's talked about. I mean, it's really he's it, and it's just I think it's gonna be fun to see him develop and learn the game of basketball, and he's gotten the time to kind of learn and grow in the NBA. And so once guys get to the NBA and learn how to really play the game of basketball and get involved in these systems, it's it's just exciting to watch. And so I'm looking I'm looking forward to really seeing his growth and development as a player. Do you think – because I know the NBA is really pushing him, and I, I mean, for, for good reason, like he's amazing. But do you think that he can be – on that level of superstar that Kevin Durant, LeBron James, those guys are on? Um, I don't know. Time will tell. I mean, he, he's exciting. He's fun to watch. But also, like, it just takes time um, for players to, to develop their games, and they just got to have the discipline and the commitment to the game of basketball. And, and that's what, what really separates guys. For me, I watch him play, and, and I'm, obviously I'm not an expert or anything, but, like, he I, he dominates right now with his power and athleticism. But it'll be – I mean, as far as his ceiling kind of depends on, like you said, how much he develops the skill because, you know, that, that power and athleticism will take you far. But what separates the best of the best is is really, you know, the attention to detail of those skills. Yeah, and I feel like one thing that people were talking about at first was like, oh, he can't shoot, and he's developed the shot. So that's kind of like our first entrance to, yes, he's committed. Yes, he's listening to what, what, you know, not even people are saying, but experts around the league are saying, and he's developing his game. So I think, you know, he, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, I don't know. I think he'll be great. I really do. Sixth man of the year, Dennis Schroeder, Christian Wood, Montrez Harrell or Lou Williams? Oh, that's tough. I think it's really between who Dennis is tough. I love I love Lou Will and then uh I don't know, Harold's a beast too. I'm it's I'm gonna to I, I'm gonna go ahead and get I'm I'm saying Schroeder and here's why. Harold and Lou are on the same team. They cancel each other out. I know they're great. I know they both score 18 a game. But That's like, too funny. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm, they're canceling each other out, so I'm not voting them. Um, Christian Wood's fine. Dennis Schroeder has been excellent all year. And Oklahoma City is a surprise team. Like, they got Shea. They got CP3, Steven Adams. Like, they're going to be a sneaky playoff team. And I think Schroeder is probably the best man off the bench in the league. Man, Oklahoma City is a surprise team to people that don't know. Now, I'm not saying this just because I'm from Oklahoma, but being a part of the organization, they do everything absolutely right. Yeah. They don't do anything wrong. Yeah. Oklahoma City is is and they they're so humble they won't admit it, but they're the perfect organization. Yeah, I, and and they like they're they're fun to watch, and you can tell they're another organization that really cares about their young guys and gives sure. the, and gives them the chance to move along and, and, and I honest to goodness. And I know obviously he's a Kentucky guy. I think Shay, uh, I think Shay Alexander is going to be a superstar. No, most definitely. I mean, give credit to most, the most words do players come in, they do their work and they get better. But um, Sam Presley does a good job of putting teams together and drafting talent year in and year out. 
And, dude, he, he's got like 75 draft picks now, too, because they traded Paul George and basically got the entire Clippers organization back. And they traded yeah. they traded uh, uh, Russ and got like all of the, the Rockets draft picks back. So if there's a team in the future that you're like, you know, they're, they're set up really well for the future, it's definitely the Thunder. Most of course. And I don't know. They're, they they probably could win a title in the next five years or so. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, oh. Would you would you like would you be hop if they won a title? Um, I mean, I'd be happy for the people that are there, the people that are in that organization. I uh-huh. want it for them the most because being around them, Oklahoma Oklahoma City brings in nothing but good people. Those fans so are cool I wanted, too. I want I really want it for that organization. I do, but like I've always been a Detroit Pistons fan. Really? Like my whole like my whole life, I was my favorite player growing up was Grant Hill. Okay. I love I love Grant Hill, and so he's always been my favorite. Um, and so, you know, as soon as he left, then like. When growing up, I would play. I would always have an attitude and everything. So people called me uh, Baby She. So <laughs> I, I really love She Wallace. And then I love Big Ben. I love the bad boys growing up, too. Like, you know, I, of course, them being in the time that they were at, I really didn't watch them much. But watching highlights and everything, I always loved the 90s NBA, too. I always loved that brand of basketball. And so growing into that, I just became like a Detroit everything fan. And as random as hell, I know. But no. I did love I did love Barry Sanders, so I'm a Lions fan. And then I was like, you know what? I really don't have a hockey or baseball team, so I'm a Red Wings fan and I'm a Tigers <laughs> fan now. You, like, you're, it, just, it, it, you're going all Detroit. <laughs> all Detroit. Random as hell, I know. But all Detroit. <laughs> you like I but but honestly, like we're talking old NBA now. We're getting to my wheelhouse. Listen, the 0304 Pistons, Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, Sheed, Ben Wallace. That is probably the best defensive team of my lifetime. They were awesome. Yeah. No, almost definitely. I mean, like, I remember I remember that team because they played the Lakers in the 03-04 finals. And that's when the Lakers, you know, Kobe was pretty much at his peak. Shaq was Shaq was on the decline, but he was still, you know, he was still pretty much at his peak. And they got Gary Payton and Carl Malone towards the end of their career. And I thought, oh, the Lakers going to the title. Dude, I, the Pistons won, like, five games, destroyed them. I mean, what a what a team, man! I'll, I'll ask you this yep. because you were talking about the bad boys. Do you think, and and you were watching the Last Dance too? Do you think the NBA is like was it way more physical back then, or do you yeah, think obviously? That that, okay, anybody will tell you that. I think it, if anybody's being real with themselves, be it players now, players then, they'll, they'll tell you, hell yeah, the NBA was a lot more physical because you had people trying to take people literally take them out. <laughs> Like, punch him in the face. Like, no, trying to hurt people, trying to end careers. Yeah, I mean that- – which, which is funny because that's literally, you know, as, you, as you've seen, and I know a lot of other people have seen, I've gotten into a fight in China, but that's literally how Chinese basketball is. There's one person on every team trying to take you out. <laughs> and so it's funny because everything I look forward to in 90s NBA basketball is like, oh, now you get a taste of it. But it's even more crazy because it's just – it's China. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're gonna have to just do pods about old NBA because I love old NBA. Like I, I I go I go back all the time and just like watch old NBA games. I love we it. We can definitely do it. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. Who was who was like who was your favorite player growing up? Mine. Yeah. 
like I said, Grant Hill. Oh, yeah, you said that. My like, bad. No, no, no. But no, no. But even more so, Arvita Sabonis. Yeah. I love I love Arvita Sabonis. And then, um, like, my parents to tell me, I don't remember this because I think I was, like, super, super young. I used to love Charles Barkley when I was younger, and I called him my Uncle Charles. <laughs> and so, like, growing up and getting – like, as I got older, it's funny that all his commercials were – I am not a role model because I would tell my parents, my parents would be like, Daniel, that's not your uncle. And I, I would tell them, yes, it is. That's my uncle. <laughs> I, I, my uncle Charles, I know he is. And so they just stopped fighting me on it. And then there's like other stories where, you know, I had to go to the emergency room one time because um, I had turned the fan on in my parents' room. I was jumping up and down in their bed and I was putting baby powder in my hair. And then they were like, Daniel, why did you do that? And I said, because I wanted to be Dennis Rodman. <laughs> That's so I feel like at a young age, I really did enjoy like the nineties NBA. That that is that's excellent. Arvidas Sabonis is like an underrated good player for those that don't know. Those Blazers teams were excellent. Like the O one Blazers had Scottie Pippen and Sheeb was there and Arvidas Sabonis and Steve Smith and Bonzi Bonzi Wells. I mean that those teams were tough, man. Tough, and that was a that was a very tough time in the NBA too. Yeah, and Arvidas was such a good passer out of the post. Like I, I've always heard that if he would have came over earlier, like he because he kind of came over to the NBA towards the latter part of his career. If he would have yeah, came over he, earlier, he would dominate. Arvidas is one of those. I mean, he was a European big. He could do everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, our last our last award is Coach of the Year. And is that Nick Nurse from the Raptors? Is it Frank Vogel from the Lakers? Is it Doc Rivers from the Clippers? Who you got? Oof, I don't even know how to answer that one. I'm going Nick Nurse. I mean, the Raptors are good again. They they basically they had Kawhi last year. They won the title, and they basically replaced his stats kind of by committee. You know, they, they lost him, but Fred Van Vliet stepped up. Pascal Siakams became a star. Uh, OG Ananobi has been, has been really, really great. I mean, they're a legit threat to kind of win the East, so he's my pick. Okay, that makes sense. I, I'll, go, I'll tell you what, I'll go that route too. There we go. So, uh, last thing before we sign off, Daniel, what everybody's wanting to know, give us, uh, give us one movie or show recommendation for quarantine as, as when we get, when everybody gets to listen to this pod, because I know there's going to be millions and millions of people that download this, um, this evening or tomorrow, whenever it comes out after they're done, what movie or show should they be watching? I don't, I think here soon I'm going to start the last, I'm going to start the last, like latest season of Last Chance You. There we go. Last Chance You always has me hooked. And it's so interesting to kind of like get – I feel like kind of like this, you get like an in-depth um, view into their lives and everything that they're going through. And it's just awesome to see what these athletes and people are going through. Um, the, the, have you, You've watched the previous seasons, haven't you? Yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever had any coaches like Jason Brown? Like he was crazy. <laughs> um, actually, you know what was crazy? There was like the AAU team I played for called the Magic. I want to say all my like most of my coaches were like that. Really? But it was it was something. Yeah, it was something that like, you know, you can't be soft. You can't be soft, and you can't you can't be, you can't be sensitive or take anything personal. And yet at the same time, it still motivates you. There was a story like okay, there was it was my first game. I'll never forget this. It was my first game, and I want to say at halftime I had eight points and eight rebounds. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm doing okay. I hope they're hope they're hope they're okay with what I'm doing my, my production. And uh 
I'll never forget, like, at halftime, the coach is like, he said, come here. He's like, I want to fucking talk to you. And so we go to the hallway, and he was like, I didn't bring your big ass out here <laughs> to grab eight fucking points and have eight fucking rebounds at halftime. If you don't go out there and put up some numbers and grab some rebounds, I'm going to send your ass all the way back to Oklahoma. Wow. I ended the game with 25 and 22 rebounds. Well, there you go. So it worked. Man. It worked. That is and ever tough. since then, he, like, ever since then, every time I showed up, I had, if not close to a 2020 game, a 20 and 20 game for sure. So that motivated you. I mean, it just, it brought the most out of me. Like, I'm always, like, I always play hard. But as an athlete, there's going to be sometimes when you have to have a coach kind of like, you know, kind of getting your ass and get you going. Yeah, for sure. Like, you got you to you kind of have that motivation sometimes. And so it was like, that was it. Like, it was like, okay, yeah. But every time, I always look forward to going and playing for that team too because we had so much fun. Absolutely. So, uh, Daniel's watching Last Chance U. Um, I'm I'm still watching the same stuff I always do. Like I'm watching old Marvel movies or The Office or something. So, makes you know, sense. I, I ain't nothing changed. But uh, we got the NBA restart tomorrow. We thank all of you for listening. Please like, subscribe, rate us, give us five stars. It helps us out. Make sure to tweet about us. Uh, we'll we'll have a podcast uh, page upcoming. We'll have a Twitter and stuff. All that. Follow us, and we got episode two coming where Daniel's going to talk to us about his time at Kentucky and some other great things. Daniel, it's been good, man. Appreciate you. All right, we'll see you. See you guys.